0: Well, what I'm going to talk about this morning is probably one of my favorite things to preach about. You know, you can talk to people about their views on religion or on Christians or on Christianity or on the church, and everybody has opinions, oftentimes negative opinions, but I've yet to run into anybody that when I said, hey, what do you think of freedom? They said, no, I'm not really a fan of that. Everybody loves freedom, right? And certainly as Americans, freedom is near and dear to our heart. It's what what makes us unique in a sense. It's the word most frequently used to describe the American experience. We have freedom of speech and freedom of the press and freedom of religion. And we are free to make a life of our own choosing But we're gonna contrast, we're gonna look at today what the world thinks of freedom, what perhaps many of us have thought or currently think freedom is. And then we're gonna look at what the Bible says freedom is. We're gonna look at true freedom. That's the title of the message, true freedom, which can only be found in and through Jesus Christ. These women are soon gonna share powerful testimonies, tangible examples of the things they pursued that they thought would set them free, and the ability to find that fruit, that true freedom through Jesus Christ. See, too often, if you think about Christianity, freedom isn't a word that comes to mind. People often think of Christianity as a list of, of do's and don'ts, of rules and regulations. In Psalm one nineteen forty five, we read this. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I will walk about in freedom. I will walk being free, because I have sought your precepts. A precept is a law. It's a guideline. And, and when we say law, we just think of, of sort of a rule. But I want to say law as, as guidelines, because it, it, it's limits. It's guardrails, if you will. As parents, we understand that to be loving means to set limits to our children. Whether they understand them or not, we do that because we love them. And God, by the same token, gives us the law because he loves us, because he wants to show us what righteous and holy living looks like. But the law is fulfilled in Christ. The law points us and illustrates to us our need for Jesus. See, a precept is a rule. And and those who follow God's rules will find freedom because he does want what's best for us. And most of the time, we simply don't trust or believe enough to live in that freedom. Now, we'll explore this because we know the law is good and we know it shows us the need of Christ and we know that legalism says this is what we must do But Jesus says, this is what I have done. He said, I have come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Jesus did what none of us could do. And so it helps to realize that the gospel is good news. That it provides freedom from unbelief and from sin. From death and fear and addiction and anxiety. Freedom from self. Freedom from empty pursuits that will never, ever satisfy. See, the gospel is a redemption story. Your story and my story is a redemption story. If we've trusted in Jesus. In Second Corinthians 3.17, Paul writes, Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. So why would we not celebrate if we've been set free, church? See, somehow, many of us in our quest for freedom managed to become slaves. We were in bondage, and perhaps you're here today and you're still in bondage. And see, it's sort of easy, in a sense, to recognize the danger when that's a chemical addiction or when it's something that's overtly harmful. But I think sometimes we can, we can disregard or we can minimize the damage that morally neutral things can cause as well. In other words, it's easy when we're in the bar room stumbling around drunk, and that's why we're not at church or we're not reading our Bible, we're not walking with Jesus. It's easy to recognize that that's harmful and sinful. But sometimes it's the sports game. Or it's just our our tiredness and wanting to stand better. Whatever it is that keeps us away from the things that give life, the things that nourish church and community and prayer and the Word of God. The enemy doesn't care what keeps you away from those things, only that you're kept away from those things. And so when we talk about this need to find freedom and bondage, I I, I like to say we're all in recovery. We're all addicts. You know why? Because we're all addicted to sin and we all need Jesus. We all need to be rescued from ourselves. And so I pray that each person in this room would leave here with a new and profound sense of freedom. Perhaps for the first time trusting fully in Christ, or perhaps you're somebody who just continues to take your will back, and you would find a a deeper trust, a deeper belief this morning in him. I've heard it say, and it's often repeated, salvation is free, but it's not cheap. It's free, but it's not cheap. It costs Jesus everything. And it will cost us everything as well because it is a life for a life. Jesus paid the price. He died for our sin, and he asked in return that we give our lives to him. I said, I've said before, you know, sometimes in the church we say we're following Jesus, we, we delude ourselves into thinking we're following Jesus, but really we're asking Jesus to follow us. Francis Chan said, the church has got to stop telling people to invite Jesus into their lives. Jesus doesn't want to be in our lives, our lives are a mess. Jesus invites us into his life, into his way of living. Amen? I've said before, Jesus loves each one of us right where we are. Right here, right now, he loves you. But he loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you. He doesn't want to leave me right where we are right now. Amen? I can go around this room, and if I asked each of you, what does freedom mean, we'd get roughly the same answer. You know, the ability to make our own choices, to be, to, to ultimately make our own decisions to do what we think is best, uninhibited. And it's interesting that what the world thinks of freedom often creeps into the church. This notion of freedom is I can do whatever I want, as if that is ultimately gonna satisfy. But see, the world is incorrect And it doesn't take long before in our lives we start to understand that all the things we think are going to lead to freedom, all the things that we think are going to fulfill, they leave us falling short. They leave us broken and empty. C.S. Lewis, brilliant theologian, had a lot of philosophical and theological defenses for the existence of God. But to him, the most powerful was what he called the appetite for God said, you're hungry in this food. You have, you know, a desire to sleep in this rest. And he said, and in each one of us, deep down inside, we have a desire for something. We have a longing for something that this world cannot satisfy. And so it's only logical to consider that we were made for another world. See, each one of us understand that longing and so many of us in our quest for freedom became slaves and were in bondage. So what is freedom? The reality is our society and often ourselves don't have a clue what real freedom is. Not the, the kind of freedom that Christ came to give. My life was a quest for freedom. I mean, my father used to say I should have been born in the 60s. I should have been a hippie love hippie music, I read hippie authors, and, you know, it was an intellectual thing, and then it was a, you know, a a choice thing, and I want to be free. That's all I ever wanted. I want to just be free. And every decision I made that I thought was going to lead me into freedom left me more longing, and more broken, and more weary, and more dissatisfied than I had been when I started This is nothing worse than pursuing something, and you're sure that when you get that thing, that when you obtain that goal, that in that is gonna be fulfillment, and then you get there and it's not. And you feel worse because now what? Now what? See, before it caused external issues, before I started to lose jobs and it affected my relationships and my health suffered. Internally I was dying. I didn't understand that no matter what I did, no matter what I accomplished, no matter what drugs I took, no matter what pleasure I sought after, that deep down inside, I still was left with the fundamental sense that something is wrong. See, if we look in the book of Genesis and we see when sin entered the world and I asked you what was the effect of that, most of us would say, rightly so, our relationship with God was severed. The intimacy we once had was no longer there and that's true. But it's interesting to know that the first thing you see is actually an identity crisis. We were afraid, and so we hid. There was a sense of shame, a sense of, there is something profoundly wrong with me. Now, theologically, they talk about whether original sin was inherited or committed, and I like to say, if I didn't inherit it, believe me, I would soon have committed it. The reality is that that has affected us all. And deep down inside, every single person, because we're all created in the image of God, has a longing, has a sense there's something wrong. And we spend our whole lives sufficiently distracted, running from one thing to the next, from this accomplishment to that. And it's never enough. You know, anybody have their child say to them, you know, dad, if you just bought me this, I would never ask for anything else. I mean, this is the one, I know I've said this before, but I mean, this is the one thing, if I had this, I would be so happy, I would never ask for anything. And we laugh, you know, we say, oh, you have so much to learn, my child, right? Because we know that's not gonna, and we do the same thing. Lord, if you'd only remove this situation from me, I know I did it again, but if you just get me out of this thing just one more time, Lord, if I just got the raise or the, the house or the car or the relationship, if I just had that, Lord, I'll never ask you for anything again. That'll be, that'll be enough. Certainly in the Bible, there's precedence for asking. You have not because you, you ask not. But oftentimes, we go to God, and if our prayers are continuously, God, do this, God, give me this, what we're seeking after is not God. It's the things, and those are our God. See, sometimes there's a subtle difference, but he wants to meet us. He says to each one of us, come to me, you who are weary, who are emotionally and spiritually and physically exhausted, who are tired of pursuing things that never fulfill, and I will give you rest for your soul. See, God wants our obedience, but he doesn't want it out of compulsion or obligation or or a legalistic response. He wants it out of trust and love. What God is after more than anything in the world is your heart. He wants your heart. He's a jealous God and he wants all of you. And oftentimes in our lives, it takes extreme brokenness to get to the place where we open our hearts and our lives to him, the one who's been pursuing us all along. You know, I've preached before, and you've probably heard me say this, and I remember preaching, I remember the first time it came out, and sometimes, you know, you hear the, it's, the, it's not an audible, but it's the voice of the Lord. Something comes out, and you just go, that wasn't me. And I was expressing my journey at Teen Challenge. In 2007, when I walked in the doors I don't know where these ladies are. I don't know. Sometimes there's hope. Sometimes there's, there's not hope. But I didn't think, oh, I'm going to go in this program. I'm going to meet Jesus. My life's going to be better. I'm not going to do drugs. Absolutely not. I didn't think any of that. I was so broken at the end of myself. All I wanted to do was pause before I died because I thought my wife and kids had been through enough. And so I went to Teen Challenge. And I said, I'm done. I am done. I am too tired to fight. I'm too tired to live. I am done. And I thought to myself, this is like the end. Like how did, I had a great life, great family, every opportunity. You know, how did I end up here? This is how my story ends. I'm in a rehab in Brockton. I got holes in the floor. We had a, we had a rug. It's not nice like it was now. We had a rug in the dorm room, and and the rug covered a hole. Like, the guy's like, oh, yeah, don't step on that. I'm like, maybe don't put a rug there. Maybe let everybody see the hole. I don't know. (laughs) Like, how did this happen to me? I thought, I'm over. And then I said this. We don't surrender to be done. We surrender to begin. See, it was over. The old life. The empty pursuits, the cycle of bad choices, of thinking, you know, maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do that. See, church isn't just a system of ethics so you can make better choices. It is the power of Christ in you to make those choices. Christian freedom is not about doing what I want. It is being free from doing what I, what I want to do what Christ wants. Theologians will make the point that we're always free, but before Christ, we're only free to choose self. Tim Keller would say we are opposed to, we are enemies of God. The Bible says that. At that time, you were alienated, you were enemies of God. Natural man will never desire the things of God. We are free, but we are only free to choose self again and again until Christ intervenes and then we are free to choose against self. What separates us from the animals, from just following every desire or instinct. And it doesn't just give us the information to do that, it gives us the source of power to do that, his word and his spirit and his bride, the church. We need each other, church. And if you don't want to show up one day because you, you know, it's not few, then you know what? Show up for everybody else. Because we need each other. I need you. You need me. We're called to walk this out in community. We're stronger together. So Paul describes what true freedom turns out to be. When he says, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. But through love... Become slaves to one another, for the whole law is summed up in a single commandment: You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says another time, all the law and all of the commandments hinge on this: Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as a result, it's one thought: You love your neighbor as yourself. You can't say, "Oh, well, I, I do love God. I just don't like my neighbor." See, loving God recognizes that each one of us are created in the image of God, that there's nobody here that's less worthy of his love. That's why Paul always starts his writings and says, I am a chief sinner. I am a slave to Jesus. There's nothing in my life that I've accomplished compared to the surpassing value of knowing him and being found in him. Paul said, everything I've done, my reputation, everything I've accomplished, it's garbage. Compared to just being found in Jesus Christ. See, the way Paul sees it, you have two options when you live in freedom. You could submit to the Spirit, which leads to life, or you could submit to the flesh, which leads to death. I think oftentimes we're very familiar with Ephesians 2 8 through 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not of works, so no one can boast. And we understand it's by grace through faith we've been saved, and then we try to do the rest of it on our own. Not recognizes that that's also by grace through faith that we're being sanctified, that we're being made into the likeness of Jesus. That's why Paul writes you, foolish Galatians, what began in the spirit, are you now trying to perfect in the flesh? John Piper says, grace isn't just pardon from sin, it's power not to sin. We've been set free, and now we have to choose to walk in that freedom, not on our own efforts, not just on the efforts of walking together, but empowered by his word and his spirit. So Paul begins Galatians 5 with this declaration. And I remember the first time I read this. I mean, there are scriptures that God will bring to your attention at just that right time of life and and we know the word is living and active. We know it penetrates and there are times when you'll just read a scripture and, and you're just captured. And I remember reading, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free and I thought, how could it be how could it be that maybe Christianity was nothing that I thought? Maybe true submission, maybe true freedom came only from submission. Because see, the Bible, the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. Die to live. Serve to be great. Give it all to keep it. What if perhaps... All my pursuits, all my attempts at freedom can only be found when I said I'm done. I give up. And the God who loves me and who had pursued me, said, finally, finally, I can work now in your life. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. Ladies, keep standing firm, I remember every three months I wanted to leave the program. And I, I had, well, I gotta do this and I gotta do that and I gotta figure out, and I remember people looked at me and said, just stand. You don't have to figure it out, you don't have to understand what tomorrow looks like, you don't have to, just stand, just don't leave. He'll do the work, just don't run away. Our whole lives, we run away. Things get difficult, we avoid conflict. We avoid confrontation. You know what else we we avoid? Growth and maturity. Keep standing firm. Sometimes that's all we can do. And sometimes we can't even do it ourselves. We need somebody to stand and hold us up. Like the the brothers who brought that guy with his mat to Jesus. He couldn't get there himself. And they said they picked him up and they brought him because they knew, brother, you need Jesus. That should be the expression of the church. We should be looking around for people that have a mat that can't get to Jesus, and we should be like, what are we going to do to bring this person to Jesus? And so what we do is we look and we criticize, well, that person sin's different than me. Or we disguise it as prayer requests. Hey, pray for her. Do you hear what she's doing? I mean, we should be loving each other. I don't know about you, but God didn't love me because I was worthy of love. God loved me because he was rich in mercy. And that love changed my life. That's the good news of the gospel. So this declaration, this declaration that Paul made is both a statement of an accomplished fact and a goal to pursue. You are set free, now walk in freedom. It is a statement of what Christ has done and what he'll continue to do if we stand, if we walk away, if we don't walk away, Freedom is ours because of the accomplishment of Christ. Christ has set us free. Paul doesn't say, hey, fight to be free. Paul doesn't say, you're free because of your long march, because of all your efforts. No, he says, you're free despite the fact that you are not unable to free yourself. You're free because of the extravagant love of God poured out on that cross in Calvary. So we're going to start in verse 13, Galatians 5, verse 13. And we're going to read a line or two, and we're going to talk about it. And Matt Chandler, some of this material came from a, a sermon I, I heard him give on narcissism versus walking in the spirit. And I just thought he did a really good job. But the text here is going to put two things at, odd, at odds. One is freedom to be self-indulgent, narcissism. That's what narcissism is. Narcissism is, I am the center of the world. Somebody asked me once why I don't like cats. I'm sorry, no, everybody's, don't send hate mail. I'm like, I don't know, I want my pets to need me. And they're like, you might be a narcissist. That's not a healthy thing. You gotta look at that. I want my pets to be like, oh, it's so good to see you, you know? I got one dog, and you know, I could be gone for two seconds. I walk out the door, I walk back in, she's happy to see me. I got another little dog, she looks at me, and she's like, yeah, you? Like, you are lucky you live here. Narcissism is thinking we're the center of the universe. So you can be free and you can be a narcissist, but you can't be both. And narcissism is never gonna lead you to freedom. All of sin as its root cause has as its root cause pride. It's saying, I know better than you do, God. I used to joke that when we were in teen challenge, we used to have guys and you'd be like, What did you you got the Burger King Bible, bro? Was that have it your way? I would say, who you listen to? Eileen? I lean on my own understanding. (laughs) People making choices, you're like, where's that? I prayed about it. You prayed about it. No, you didn't pray about it. Trust me. (laughs) For you were called to freedom, brothers. Verse 13. This is the gospel. This is saying, Christ has come, has invited us into fellowship, has come and bled and died on the cross so that we would be free. And the simple fact is, it is the root desire of every man and woman in this room. It is the motivating factor for every decision you make, for pursuing or avoiding relationships, for lying or telling the truth, for being lazy or working hard. Whatever it is, every decision you make has as its root cause your desire to be free, to be fulfilled. And, you know, when people tell me, I I had a guy once, and he said, you know, I'm just walking away from the church, man. It it just didn't work for me. And I'm like, oh, so what is working? He's like, well, nothing. (laughs) Okay. Let me know how that works out for you. Maybe the church didn't work for you. Maybe it wasn't the right church, but Jesus, he doesn't not work for anybody. You know, I wonder how many people in the church have all the information but they've never fallen in love. You know, sometimes people talk about their faith just like it's an idea. You know, like it's just a, you know, like a philosophy. You can always tell the people that are really saved because they talk about Jesus as not just a person they know, but a person they're in love with. A person they want to fall deeper in love with. You see, the wonderful thing about faith in Jesus is no matter how long you've been doing it, no matter what you think you know, no matter how long you've been walking, there's deeper still to go. There's richness and there's joy and peace and strength. Not happiness, right? Happiness comes from what happens. Happiness is from out there. Joy is from within. It's not because of what's going on around us. It's because of who lives inside us. All of us born into a fractured world. And so we start trying to fix that desire. The claim of Christ is this, for you are called to be free, only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, don't do what you did before you were free. And there's all kind of reasons that we go back to prison. Because the enemies convince us we deserve to be there. Because we've convinced ourselves we deserve to be there. Because somebody just speaks death and tells us we're going to be nothing. Because we don't feel like we're worthy. Whatever it is, because it's more comfortable. People say all the time, Pastor Brian, it's really hard to be a Christian. I'm like, I know. You know, it's even harder not to be a Christian. You know, it's even harder to navigate this world without Jesus, without the power and strength of prayer and of Christ and of a community of believers doing the same thing. So we get sort of this division of ideas. You're free, all things are permissible, Paul says, but they're not all beneficial. They're not all gonna lead to life. And so you're free, but now what? Are you gonna just serve yourself? Are you gonna try to be your own God? Or are you gonna use your freedom to love others, to love those who are now where you once were. You know, the reason I love the Ministry of Teen Challenge, I was going to do 30 days, and at like 25 days in, I like tried to leave. I called my brother-in-law. I'm like, he's the one. I'm going to be able to convince him. I'm like, you got to pick me up. They kicked me out. And he's like, what? Let me talk to somebody. I'm like, yeah, they won't talk to you. But you got to pick me up, and I'll be in the front of the building. Just, just come get me. And my sister was here. She'd lived far away, but she was here because my father was dying of cancer, and somehow she found out. And she called my brother in law. And she said, If you pick him up, he's gonna die. Thank God that I didn't leave, because those 30 days turned into almost 15 years at the Ministry of Teen Challenge. I just resigned <laughs> last February because of God calling me to this. But I love staying connected the reason I do the ride-alongs, the reason I go in the worst parts of the city where people have overdosed time and time again, where gang members look at us as we walk into these houses is because I want to remember what it was like to be lost and hopeless. And I want my life to be a light to represent the hope that no matter how bad you think it is, God is greater than your biggest sin. See, in the end, freedom has not been given to us and will not be given to us so we can continue to pursue the nonsense things of the world. It's been given to us to submit to God so in us and through us he can build his church. For the whole law is fulfilled in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, which means you look at your neighbor and you say, they are just as worthy as love of love as I am. They were created in the image of God just like I was. And maybe they sin different or they look different or they vote different, but Jesus still died for them. And I'm gonna pray for them and I'm gonna love them and I'm gonna show up in their lives. And look at this next line because what happens, what happens if we think our freedom is just freedom to pursue our own agenda is we, Contrast with other people who think freedom is just to pursue their own agenda. And then what happens? Then we're left with competing preferences. Everybody's just trying to get their piece of the pie. Everybody's doing their own thing. And so Paul writes, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Because if you use your freedom, and if I use your freedom, my freedom, to just go after the things that I think are going to fulfill me, and that, and, and I, that creates conflict, what's going to happen? We're going to bite. We're going to devour. We're gonna, there's going to be divisions. And we'd like to say that that only happens out there, but it happens in here. It happens in here. And then it says, watch out that you're not consumed. Paul's saying, look, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. If you use your freedom for yourself, you're going to be stuck in envy and strife and dissension and discord. You're always going to be angry and you're always going to be fighting and you're going to be consumed by it. It'll destroy you from within. The gift of freedom of, and wholeness given to walk in those things is robbed or removed From the person who's who's always combative about everything in life. That's why James says, Why do you quarrel? Why are there fights among you? Isn't it because you're just selfish? I love James. He's always like, Why fighting? What are you guys arguing about? Oh, because you're all selfish. (laughs) Maybe that. See, revival, people say all the time, I want revival. I'm like, what does that mean? I want my neighbor to change. I want the president to change. I want my wife to change. I want everybody to change in my life. You know what revival, you know what the source of revival is? I want to change. I want my heart to change more than anything. That's what sparks revival. Because that heart change causes another heart change. The power of the spirit inside of us. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they're opposed to each other. See, all we want is freedom and wholeness, but we continue to buy into an exposed lie that the things we go after are going to provide that, and they don't. That one more thing just becomes one more thing. You get the job and you get the car, and you get the raise, and you get the relationship, and then what? Well, maybe just another car or a bigger house or another It's never enough. Because the longing and the desire is pointing you to something else All sin is saying, "I know better than God. It's a substitute. Sin is a substitute for something better that God has for us. It's a cheap substitute. It's never close to as good as the gifts he has, as the things he has for us. C.S. Lewis says, if we only for a moment would experience true joy, we wouldn't exchange that for all the pleasure in the world, but pleasure is often easy to obtain, and joy we have to pursue. We have to really allow to pursue us. He's saying like, look, those moments of pleasure, those things that you think are gonna fulfill and they do for a second, and pleasure's not bad. God made things to be pleasurable. But C.S. Lewis says, this is not, this is not, The the end, This this is not our home, we're passing through and these little trails and these little beautiful moments of respite and things that are a foresight of things to come. Little things that will give us pleasure and will make us feel good, but they're to point us to the source of all those things. The source of where our ultimate longing and our ultimate desire can be found in Christ. Glimpses of heaven, Lewis calls them. See, narcissism is an extremely destructive force, probably the most destructive force in the world. Because most of the people who are leading want to lead. Listen, I've had people come up to me and be like, yeah, you know, uh, know, I've served at my last church, so if you need anybody to lead, I'm the guy. You're not, actually. (laughs) Thank you, though, for showing me that. God will do what he wants in and through you. Be careful what we pursue. Be sure that we're pursuing the things of God, what he wants, not what we want. See, I knew I needed a savior, right? Lord, save me. But then let me be my own king. Lord, save me, but I'm still going to be the Lord, okay? I'll call you if I need you again. Thank you for doing what you did. I I know I said that, you know, if you did this, I would follow you. But, you know, I mean, just... I think I got it now. You probably have a lot of other stuff to do. Church is filled with people who think they're following Jesus, and they really keep saying, Jesus, hey, follow me. I'll tell you where we're going to go. See, look at the fruit of these two ways of living. One says, I'm God, I decide. I decide who to use, what to do, what I don't do to sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Sorcery is just trying to be God. Sorcery is just sort of a spiritualized way of saying, I'm God, I ultimately decide. Oh, I consulted the whatever it is. No, you didn't, you really didn't. You just decide for yourself. When we pray, do we ask God to show us the way or do we tell God the way that we found and ask him to stamp it? People tell all the time, I think I know the will of God for my life. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that that's not the will of God for your life. Are we open to hear the voice of God? Are we teachable? Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. That's what it looks like when we use our freedom for self-serving means. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. A sense of saying, you know, no matter what's going on around me, God is still good. I have the fruit of the Spirit in my office hanging on my wall. I, somebody said to me once, that's, that's nice, Pastor Brian. That's, I'm like, it's really not <laughs> The reason I have that is because I'm a reminder. I have to look and I'm be like, I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not that. God help me. Am I peaceful? Am I patient? Am I kind? Am I good and faithful? Am I self-controlled? A lot of times, no. A lot of times, like Paul, I'm like, man, I just keep doing the stupid stuff I don't wanna do, the stuff I know I should do, I don't do. Well, what do you do? You don't give up. Paul says, thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. You continue with a fellowship of believers around you, with the power of prayer and his word to pursue the things of God. Because as sure as I'm standing here, and I wish my words could better convey my heart, you will not, I promise you, you will not find freedom apart from Christ. You will find despair and anxiety and fear and addiction but you will not find peace and joy and gentleness and self-control. My hope is that here in this place, in each one of our lives, that God would put to death our self-gratifying desires. All those things that are not of him, all those lies we tell ourselves, See, there's two ways to live. You can de- declare independence from God, or you can de- declare dependence upon him. You can say, God, I got this. Bad things happen, you run away, you can run into his arms. When I was at the end, I could have been like, this is, this is how my story ends. Brian, at 33, leaves Teen Challenge under a false pretense. He lies, and, he, and he's dead. He's not here now. I've lost 40 friends in the last decade, 40 of them. You know what the difference between them and me is? Keep standing. Keep standing. Waking up and desperately clinging to Jesus Christ every moment of every day. Not knowledge or ability or talent. And by God, I don't want to bury another friend. How many of us? As professed followers of Christ, trade God's blessing and freedom for the things of the world that never satisfy still to this day. I'm sure a lot of us have heard this, but I think it's a good example. And I know that uh, Bob Glover loves Indians, and so you should appreciate this. An old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life. A fight is going on inside of me, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger and envy, sorrow, regret. He is greed and arrogance and self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, ego, he continued. But the other is good. Is joy and peace and love and hope and serenity and humility and kindness and benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside of you and inside of every other person, he said to the boy. And the grandson thought about it for a minute and asked his grandfather, well, which wolf will win then? To which the old Cherokee replied, the one that you feed. Are we feeding our spirits? Are we feeding the flesh? Are we filling ourselves with garbage all the time and then wondering why garbage comes out? Or are are we prayerfully submitting ourselves to the Lord? to his word, and to one another. Paul writes in Romans 8, verse 12, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. That means a responsibility. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And so each one of us in this room have a choice to make and we cannot not choose. You can live with a rebellious heart toward God, ultimately leading to death and continuing to be the source of heartache, of anger and pain and turmoil. And There's always somebody ready to fight you. If you're a fighter, there's always somebody to fight. You can live with a divided heart, never fully surrendered. One day you do this, the next day you do that. Or we can live with a surrendered heart. And I submit to you that true freedom is only found in surrender. And that the one thing God gives us is the one thing He asks for back, which is our will. Jesus modeled to each of us a life lived freely and completely before God. And he wants us to give our trouble to him and submit to him to be free to love others. There's nobody in this room, nobody here, that he didn't die to give you that freedom. Will you walk in it? Father, as the ladies come up and share with us in song and in testimony a picture of what grace and mercy looks like, God, would you minister to our hearts now? Father, thank you. Thank you for dying that we would be free and empower us to continue to walk in that freedom. In Jesus' name.